0: that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our Gospel for today puts us on very holy ground because we have the Word himself telling us what stands at the very heart of the law. This is very sacred business what we're hearing today. The Pharisees are posing a kind of game to Jesus. Maybe a bit of a trap. They pose this question. Which commandment is the greatest? Well, as you know, in the Judaism of Jesus' time, there were hundreds and hundreds of commandments, laws, rules, regulations, governing almost every aspect of life. So, it was a kind of favorite exercise of the rabbis to ask one another, what's the greatest? What's the central commandment? What's the organizing principle of the law? So, that's the question being posed to Jesus himself. And he gives his famous answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And then he adds this, and it makes all the difference. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else in Jewish life, he's saying, is subordinate to those two great commandments. That's the inner logic of the law. It's finally about love, because love is what God is. If you follow every jot and tittle of the law, but have not love, it means nothing. But then the second commandment comes in. If you love God, at least you claim to, and hate your neighbor, it's worth nothing. Your love of God, in fact, is phony. You know, St. Augustine, the great theologian, said to his students if you want to know the principle by which you should interpret the whole of Scripture, this is it. If you're ever confused about what something means in Scripture, use this as an interpretive guide. All the Bible is meant to bring us to the point where we love God, and because we love God, we love our neighbor. Everything else is commentary. Why are these two laws so tightly linked in Christianity? There's a very simple answer. Because of Jesus himself. Who stands at the heart of our faith? Christ, who is the God-man. Christ, who is himself in his own person, both divine and human. Therefore, it becomes impossible for a Christian to love God without loving humanity. Because we love Christ. To love him is to reverence both of these laws at the same time because of who he is. And this is the key, it seems to me. What does this coming together of the two loves look like? What does following these two commandments together look like concretely? Look at the saints. They'll always tell you. Do you know the story of Rose Hawthorne? Rose Hawthorne was the third child of the great American writer, Nathaniel Hawthorne the author of The Scarlet Letter and The House of the Seven Gables and all those mysterious, wonderful short stories. She was Hawthorne's third child, born in 1851, when her father was at the height of his powers. The Scarlet Letter, his greatest book, comes out 1852. Later in the 1850s, Nathaniel Hawthorne became a U.S. consul in Liverpool. And he moved his young family over to England. And so Rose Hawthorne grew up in pretty elite circumstances. She was the daughter of this very famous American writer, who was also a government official, a diplomat, taking the family to London, to Paris, to Rome. She moved in very sophisticated circles. In fact, she met Pope Pius IX when her father took the family to Rome. Her rather idyllic childhood came to an end, however, in 1864. When she was only 13, her famous father died. Her mother died just a few years after that, and she found herself as a teenager bereft and a bit adrift. She met a man named John Lathrop, and though she was only 20, she married him. They had a child, a son whom she deeply loved. And in some ways, the son made up for the loss of her father and mother. But then, tragically, and it was often the case in the 19th century, before medicine reached its point of sophistication today, her son died at the age of four. And it sent Rose Hawthorne into a very deep sadness. As she said, a sadness beyond words. Then her husband's alcoholism, began to manifest itself in erratic behavior, irresponsible behavior, and their marriage fell on hard times. So here was a woman who had a pretty privileged background, but who by the early 20s had endured an awful lot of sorrow, loss of parents, loss of a child, and a difficult marriage. It was around this time, perhaps because of her struggles and suffering, her spiritual life began to deepen. And she took an interest in the Catholic Church. Now, this was pretty surprising for a famously Protestant family. But Rose Hawthorne became interested in Catholicism and in deepening her relationship to God. A turning point occurred in her life when she heard a story. She was by this time living in New York City. And she read this story in the paper of a woman who was a seamstress, and fairly well-to-do financially, but developed cancer. She was diagnosed with that terrible disease. Doctors determined they could do nothing for her. She exhausted all of her financial resources trying to find a cure. Nothing happened. She became increasingly desperate. Finally, she was essentially exiled to this out-of-the-way shelter for cancer victims. Mind you, at the time, Cancer was a bit like perhaps AIDS is today. It was seen as a, a very uh, contagious and dangerous disease, and those who had it were, were quarantined and marginalized. Well, Rose Hawthorne read that story and it broke her heart. She got down on her knees and she begged God, Show me the way to do something to help these people. Help me, O oh Lord, to help them. Now, this is the connection. Here's the point of contact between those two laws. Jesus said the greatest law, love the Lord your God. She got down on her knees in her great love for God. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor. O oh Lord, show me the way to help these people in need. That was the moment. What you do? Well, she realized she had very little training in nursing or medicine, so she took a course, began to work at a hospital specializing in cancer patients. On her first day there, she met a woman named Mary Watson. Mary Watson was a cancer victim with a very advanced case of facial cancer, which had literally eaten away the central portion of her face. Every day they had to change the dressings and bandages on her face, And they say that even experienced nurses found the sight of Mary Watson so repulsive that they couldn't stand it. Rose Hawthorne went into the room and she met her. And the ravages of her cancer did not dismay her. In fact, it inspired her to continue the work that she had undertaken. After her training, she rented a small flat in the lower east side of Manhattan. At the time, it was a very poor area filled with immigrants. And she simply decided to take cancer victims into her own home, into her own apartment, and there she cared for them until they died. Now, mind you, here's a woman from a pretty sophisticated background with fastidious habits used to the finest things, and now her whole day is spent caring for cancer victims who were were quarantined, they were isolated people at the time, and she's caring for them within her own apartment. Mary Watson, the woman I spoke of, was eventually discharged from her hospital. They, they said, we can't do anything more for you. In her desperation, she called Rose Hawthorne. Would you take me in? And of course she did. In time, people from all over New York began to come to Rose Hawthorne's apartment. Cancer patients, cancer victims, those who had been neglected by their family, those who had been abandoned by the hospital system. And as always happens in the lives of the saints, when a great work is being done in the name of God, volunteers come. People come like bees to a flower. People come, they swarm, they gather. When something of God is being done, and so people, nurses and aides and volunteers, came to Rose Hawthorne to help her with her work. Eventually her husband from whom she had been separated for a couple of years because of his drinking, eventually he died. And this freed Rose Hawthorne to do something she had dreamed of now for many years, to become a religious. So she and a few companions joined the Dominican Order. She was trained as a sister and became a nun, a Dominican. In time, she got enough funds from volunteers and from donors to build a larger hospital. She called it St. Rose's Hospital. And there she continued to care for cancer patients. In time, she and her sisters were able to build an even larger facility in the country. In time, they formed their own branch of the Dominican order, devoted precisely to this work of caring for those who were sickest. They're known today, they still exist, as the Hawthorne Dominicans the descendants, spiritual descendants, of this great woman. Rose died in 1926 at the age of 75. And now, as I speak, she's being considered for canonization. Here's a last little detail. At the very end of her life, a biography appeared that told the story that I've just sketched for you now. And that biography, in the 1920s, was read by a young Catholic woman who also lived in the Lower East Side of New York, who was also struggling with her spiritual life, looking for direction. She read the story of Rose Hawthorne, and it inspired her in the work that she would undertake. This young woman's name was Dorothy Day. She was the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, and her job throughout her life was to care for the victims of society and care for the poor and the marginalized. How wonderful in the lives of the saints that that often happens. Saints are like fire, and they catch here and there. So the story of Rose Hawthorne lit a fire in Dorothy Day. And now I'm telling you the story. You listening to me right now, I'm telling you her story, hoping it might light a fire in you. Again, why have I told it? To show you how these two great commandments of the Lord Jesus come together in the saints. She got down on her knees and said, Lord, show me a way to help them. The love of God conduces to the love of neighbor. It dovetails with it. Because Christ is both divine and human. You can't love God, therefore, without loving those in need. Take in the story of Rose Hawthorne and let this commandment of the Lord sink into your heart. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.